It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, welcome to another Powder Blue podcast. It's Jeff Mosher. No Frank Close this time. So we went to our ace pinch hitter. He's the Matt Stairs. Philly's podcast pinch hitting and that's Greg Hall who we have on whenever we can and Greg it's great to have you back on the powder blue pod if that's my legacy I am darn proud of that yeah that's a good one the Matt stairs that's a good pull you're gonna hit one right into the LA sky tonight I I just feel it man he's he's (laughs) the last Philly to Homer that Harry Callis called and I have a Harry Callis tattoo so I feel like there's a full circle thing there that we haven't unpacked yet yeah, and you know, I don't know if we've ever had this discussion, but since you brought it up, and I, and it's not a, a good way to kind of bring it full circle, but it does for you and I to be on this pod. But, uh, you know, I started off my career as a as a baseball reporter, and I was covering mm-hmm. the Phillies for a little bit. Um, but the year I left, I was actually helping out Scott Lauber at the Wilmington News Journal. Mm-hmm. There was a flight from Colorado where the Phillies were to Washington, Washington. D.C. that he couldn't make because of a snowstorm, right? Mm-hmm. So I got sent in to cover the game. And unfortunately, that's the day Harry Callis passed away. So, uh, man, that really you saying that kind of brought a full circle. And that was a it was a terrible day as a uh, in a career. But, um, you know, obviously, to, to have been there in that moment, I feel like I'm in a small fraternity of writers who was there, you know, and yeah. had to cover that unfortunate event. I but, remember uh, I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly what I was doing. I remember exactly what I was eating. And wow. so, yeah. And so they took the patch that they wore, that HK patch the rest of the season. I got that tattooed on my leg. That's pretty awesome. Uh, in, in honor of him. So he was my idol. He's the reason I got into radio and podcasting and all the things and baseball as much as I am is because he was the voice of my childhood. So HK. The soundtrack of the summer. Definitely. 
Love it. Let's let, let's move on to some much better and and more positive things about the Phillies. Uh, it nothing says 2023 Phillies right than losing two out of three at home to the Nationals and then going and sweeping Tampa Bay on the road, sweep the Rays in a really exciting game three. And since the last Powder Blue podcast, which started before the Cubs series, that means the Phillies are seven and two in their last nine games going into this last stretch before against the Marlins before the all-star break. They, the ship has been righted, my friend. Yeah. With, with their horses on the mound against the Marlins. And so we have Wheeler, Nola, Ranger. I don't think it's in that order. I think it's Wheeler, Ranger, Nola. Right. Um, But that's very exciting. We face the guy we own Sandy Alcantara. Uh, (laughs) Of course uh, I say that in jest. Yes, we've beaten him, but he is still, an ace among aces and we miss yuri perez their electric right-hander he pitched today um with thursday night so yeah we'll miss him and we we got our horses on the mound so you're got you got to be feeling good this team has won 12 in a row on the road first time in over a hundred years that that has happened and so feeling good going into the all-star break it's a shame we only have one all-star but you know uh i'd rather get wins in the win column than than another all-star a hundred percent. It does. It, it's sort of emblematic of the first half. You know, the all-star game is never, it, it's an all-star ex- exhibition, but it's usually the Kings of the first half because there's usually about 40% of the all-star team, especially newcomers that don't have the type of second half that they did in the first with the yeah. Phillies. It seems always the opposite, right? Like Bryce Harper's never made an all-star game as a Philly, but he's won an MVP. Right. Uh, and I'm certainly hoping that that second half, you start to see the power come back and, We'll get into him in a second. I think you summarized it the best. The horses right now, when you look at the Phillies turnaround over the last few weeks, it's guys like Aaron Nola who had 12 strikeouts in game one against the Rays. It's guys like Zach Wheeler. Um, both of those two guys who also did this last year, by the way, slow starts or didn't start the season and then rounded into form uh, once June came along, once Joe Girardi's firing came aboard. <laughs> but um, it, that, that to me, when you look at this team, right now, Greg, um, you have to feel pretty confident about them just in general, forget the standings, forget the playoffs. We're far from that, but just as far as getting this ship together because of Nola Wheeler, I know Suarez was a little shaky last out about our last outing, but, and, but when you have a number four starter pitching like Taiwan Walker, and honestly, you know, a big part of our conversations in April and May is like, how can this team be good when it doesn't have a fifth starter I think Christopher Sanchez has sort of cemented himself, at least for now, and said, you're not, I am the fifth starter. I don't know if we're ever going to see Bailey Falter again, <laughs> uh, which is wild because coming into the season, outside of his playoff hiccup, he was a huge reason the Phillies made the playoffs last year. When Zach Wheeler went out, he had six fantastic starts down the stretch. Huge reason they even made the playoffs in the first place. Now he's gone. It's so weird to think what just a year can do. But I, I it's it's so funny because – it's like a tale of two halves almost in the beginning of the year, the pitching couldn't pitch. The hitting was, was there. It was inconsistent, but it was there. And now you flip it around. The offense is wildly inconsistent. The pitching has been the thing carrying the team. The starting rotation uh, has been just lights out the bullpen. They have a blow up every once in a while, but for the vast, vast majority, they've been locked down. And so you have a team that can hit with runners in scoring position. It is just documented. They they cannot hit with runners in scoring position. And if you don't have the pitching 
performing the way it does, this team is buried. This team is six, seven games under 500. Now they're six, seven games over because their pitching staff has carried them. Guys like Taiwan who had a bad, this is what emblem. he, He had such a rough start the other night for the first four innings, gave up four runs and then still finished seven strong and was able to walk off and have three scoreless to end his outing because he didn't let it falter. Pardon the pun. Uh, he bounced back and like, that's what this team is doing is the resilient fight bounce back. If they have a rough start, they can overcome. And right. that's something we hadn't seen previous years. So it's really great to see this team kind of bouncing back, performing the way they are um, up to expectation. I mean, right now, if the playoffs started, they're in really, that's all you can ask for. Sure. And, and to sort of capitalize on that point about this team kind of being resilient, I feel like Taiwan Walker was able to overcome that rocky start because even though he gave up four runs, he was only down for three because the Phillies actually scored some runs. It almost gave him that protection. You know, there were the games in April and May where if the Phillies were down four nothing early, uh, a starter wasn't going five or six and, and straightening out. But just because there was no run support at that time and and you could just already tell where the, the game was headed south early, not so much this case. It just feels like the momentum is better. The team is playing off each other, even offensively through the struggles, as you mentioned. I think now we have to create an asterisk. Team is not good with runners in scoring position, asterisk, unless it's a ghost runner in <laughs> extra innings, right? Because that, right. that for some reason, doesn't count, right? <laughs> it's wild. Come up with Schwarber and Turner getting some, some hits there. But, you know, when I look through offensively over the last, you know, through the whole last nine games, the sweep of Chicago, losing two or three, there's not, other than Castellanos, there's not really one guy who is also consistently getting big hits every night. Trey Turner's starting to. Um, I would argue Bryson Stott is. You know what, I forgot, that's true. Bryson Stott is. I, I always kind of tend to think of the Phillies as the first five or six guys, and I have to right. get out of that mindset. Um, but I'm, I meant of the big studs, but you're yeah, right. Yeah. Bryson, Stott, Bryson Stott is, I believe now, sixth or seventh in the major leagues in hits. Yeah, and he's uh, he's second in the major leagues with two strike hits. Um, he just he's never out of an at bat, and that's what I thought we were getting with Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, just never out of an at bat, completely competitive. But you've seen Trey look ugly at times. He he's just kind of flails at strike three, and he has some really ugly strikeouts. I think he'll come around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm anticipating a, a pretty big second half from Trey Turner. But Bryson Stott, my goodness, just he's a ball player. He's a hitter, and I love that about him. I love that we. You know, everybody has this knock on the Phillies farm system, but let's take a step back and realize, even though Bohm has been inconsistent, Phillies farmhand, mm-hmm. Bryson Stott, first round pick. So that's two of them right there. Aaron Nola, another first round pick. Like they have their, their farm has come up. They don't have a ton of depth, but the guys they have brought up to the major leagues have been big contributors. Right. So that leads us to a, a really good point. Frank uh, Close and I have been sort of monitoring <laughs> for a couple of weeks this Derek Hall situation. And, um, you know, I think at one point, Cody Clemens bought himself some extra time because A, he's a little bit more versatile and B, he wound up hitting a couple of home runs in, in some big spots. He had to walk off, kind the of bought him off. some time. Right. I never fully believed in the Cody Clemens experience because his resume says that that wasn't re- sort of like, I never really thought Jake cave was going to go into the season hitting fourth, whatever, like right. from spring, spring training. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I really feel like the team need, I, and, and I'm really interested to see what's going to happen after the all-star break. They obviously want to put Bryce Harper at first base. I think the team needs to take a, especially without the power right now from everybody else, they need to take a look at Derek Hall 
if he can stay healthy over an extended period of time here to see what they have. Yeah, they're well, they'll face two righties against the Marlins, so he'll be in the lineup there. They get Jesus Lazardo for the last game before the all-star break. He's an incredibly tough lefty. So I would anticipate Hall sitting that last game, but we'll get two more games. He got a bomb today off of a lefty, his first homer off a lefty in the majors, his first extra base hit mm-hmm. off of a lefty in the majors. Um, Cody Clemens, if you look at his June, was I think I have the numbers in a text message if I go through it's like he was hitting like 118, something like that, three RBI, no homers. His June was just, it it was dismal. So uh, I was ready for the Cody Clemens experiment to end. Um, I'm happy it is over. Nothing against Cody Clemens as a player or person. Um, I just, I'm a Derek Hall fan. And no, it's not because we share last names and his wife has the same name as my wife. That is not at all the reason. It doesn't seem like that would be a reason at all. (laughs) I don't, I am not biased. I just, Greg loves the long ball. So uh, there you go. I love long ball hall. He just provides pop at the bottom of a lineup in desperate need of some. And that's what Cody Clemens didn't at any time. Derek Hall can hit one out to any part of the field. Cody Clemens was a dead pull hitter who was lucky to get one. So now you pop Derek Hall into the seven or eight spot. You've added depth and you've added power to the bottom of your lineup. We needed that. We do need it. I'm all for Derek Hall getting an extended look here. Yeah. And, and and to be honest with you, and this goes into the category of also doesn't matter, but matters to me is that I, as great as Roger Clemens was, I was not a Roger Clemens fan. He never played on a team that I wanted to root for. Yeah, and I thought as his career went on, for obvious reasons, he became more dislikable. So to see him at the ballpark and smooth, and uh, that didn't sit well with me. Not that I held it against Cody, but it was just to me. Another reason to just want Derek Hall back up here, you know, throwing BP to the guys. Like, oh no, here we go. It, it's it's funny. Cody Clemens is like the Dylan Covey of the lineup. Like, <laughs> what are they still doing here? What did we see in them? I'm just waiting for Covey to be DFA'd, but he's just not. He was warming up in the 11th right. tonight, and I was like, no, keep Stroman. I don't care what happens. I don't care if Stroman has to take the loss or he gets gives up the walk off. I don't want Dylan Covey on a mound in a Phillies uniform ever again i'm with you and, and you know on that note speaking of some farm hands and guys that they're trying to develop i really liked him i like his stuff and i knew he was going to struggle i had a very good feeling no matter what he was going to struggle early on he did got sent down he's back up junior Marte has stuff there's no stuff. doubt about it. he has swing and miss stuff i think over the last six or seven games he has shown you that you can trust him a little more I, do i still want him in high leverage seven eight nine Still a little shaky. I think he did that in what? You got to save in Oakland. Yeah, you got to save in Oakland, right? And then even in this uh, last nine games, I think he was in. He came in for Nola. Yes. He came in for Nola. on After Nola went seven in the third. So he came Mm -hmm. in at eight. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to myself at that moment, okay, this is the first time we're since Oakland, but I mean against a real team here, (laughs) that we're seeing Junior Marte in a high leverage situation. Yeah. And he performed well. I think he's got an opportunity to really help this team in the second half. As long as he doesn't fall in love with just so much junk, junk, like, you know, as long as he can control the fastball and then command, show command of the off speed, which is like obvious, but um, that, you know, with young pitchers, that's a thing. I think if he can get that under control, he can really, really help this team. Well, this is what happens when Sir Anthony hits the IL. I mean, you're just kind of scrapped. Like Jeff Hoffman pitched in the 8-4 game and closed it out the other night. (laughs) I mean, that's what we're here for from the right side right now. We have Craig Kimbrell's been fantastic. Our left-handed relievers have been great. But when you look at high leverage right-handed relievers, right now you have to lean on a Hoffman or a Marte. Bilotti's down. Brogdon's down. They're both in AAA. 
um, Sir Anthony's on the shelf. So I think Marte has stuff big time. When they made that deal, I tweeted out, like, watch this kid's stuff. It's just It just moves all over the place. Yep. But that's because he was a thrower. Mm-hmm. And he had to learn how to become a pitcher. And we're starting to see that. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen over a half. It doesn't happen over a full season. They have to develop. And I'm willing to be patient with him because you see the stuff. And mm-hmm. historically, the Phillies have had incredible success with guy in major struggles, send guy down to minors, bring him back up month later, and he dominates. 08 with or 07 with Myers, mm-hmm. Alvarado last season, Alvarado, right? Marte this season. You're yep. seeing it again and again. They know when to push that button of and Connor Brogdon. I bet when he comes back up, he's going to be really good. Veladi mm-hmm. has an opportunity as well at the back end or kind of at the the low leverage spots of the bullpen. But my point is, like this team knows when to pull that button of okay, it, you got to go back down and re, and find yourself, and we'll bring you back when it's ready. When you're ready, Marte was ready. I think he would have been ready even if Sir Anthony didn't get hurt. We're mm-hmm. seeing the fruits of that labor now. He will blow up. It will happen where he gives up a really tough homer or gives up three runs in an outing, but that is a small blip on what I believe can be a really, really fruitful radar if we let that play out. I'm a Marte guy. Hey, listen, it's idealistic at, at, because we're you know we, we've seen Phillies baseball for too long to to believe that everything can go right at one time. But like you said, when Brogdon comes up, Bellotti comes back up, and Sir Anthony's healthy, um, they're hopefully uh, there's still going to be room for Junior Marte as long as he's pitching well. And then you've got Alvarado, Sir Anthony comes back. I mean, it feels like you have the components of an elite bullpen there. Uh, and, you know, as long as Hoffman, you know, someone's going to fall off a little bit, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause you should have four or five guys here and a good combination of right-handers and left-handers with Strom pitching the way he's pitching to be able to get those outs. And that's going to take so much pressure, not only off Christopher Sanchez, but him the most because he's the shortest, but anybody one through four, get me five or six. And I think we're going to be all right. The fact that they don't have to rush Brogdon or Bilotti back. Bilotti has been dominant. Brogdon's been really good. And we haven't sniffed them because we haven't needed them. Because the guys we have brought up have not faltered. And they've been an elite bullpen. And look at the depth we have waiting in case Hoffman falls off a cliff. In case there's another injury, we have a guy like Brogdon or Bilotti who we can pull back up. So to me, I know we're not here yet. I know it's still a little under a month away. But when I look at the trade deadline, I'm not looking for pitching right now. I think the bullpen depth is there. I think Christopher Sanchez has kind of sunk himself into that fifth starter spot. You'd hope maybe Andrew Painter gets a start here or there in the second half. I'm focusing on bats. So, um, you know, because I think one of those is sorely needed. Um, But I really, really like this team's pitching a lot. And, uh, you know, who couldn't? I mean, the results have just shown that that this is a strength for this club. I know I'm always of the mindset that, if a pitcher is available and you can get him right. And I think you would agree with this and he's a really top of the line guy. And for whatever reason, the cost is low because it can be a free agent or whatever, right. Then get him because it never hurts to add a pitcher. So I, and I'm sure Dave Dombrowski has that kind of mindset as well. Like if I can get another really good pitcher, I will, but it's not number one on my priority, like getting another bat would be as well. This there's 25 other teams that have that same mentality and who have better prospect pools. I mean, we have some really good top-end talent. Top-end talent, I wouldn't want a mortgage necessarily for a rental. Uh, That's why, you know, we gave up Ben Brown for David Robertson um, last year. And if you look at Ben Brown's numbers, he was a very high-end, high-ceiling prospect with lights-out stuff who just had some injury bug issues, had some command issues. Look at his numbers this year. He's flat 
out disgusting in the Cubs system. And you're like, darn, that could have been another bullet for this year's trade deadline or some more bullpen depth for the fills. And so, and Robertson walked to go to the Mets. So like you, I'm, I am of the mind that a prospect is a prospect and he hasn't proven himself yet, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the fact that we actually have some pieces to play with here, both from a developmental standpoint and a trade chip standpoint. So uh, it's that fine line that Dombrowski and fold um, have to have to kind of walk this trade deadline. Sure. Now the news was a little shaky around Andrew Painter. He was supposed to have, uh, was it a bullpen or a flat? Either way, he was a bullpen on Saturday. It got pushed. He had a small bullpen. I think yesterday he threw, I should say. So it's encouraging, but boy, I I don't know if we're going to see him this year at all. Yeah, that's what it made me wonder because the 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 way the injury was described, not the injury, the setback was described, was just a little tightness, and I don't worry about that. I worry about sharp pain, right? Mm-hmm. You know, tightness happens even for healthy guys, but um, you know, just the kind of the trajectory, the way things have gone, it makes you. If, if I'm the Phillies brass, and this just happened, I'm not even more. I'm not even trying to get him on the on yeah. the field unless I know he's 100 percent healthy. And even then, the way we're playing, if he's not gonna if there's not some like major tangible impact he's going to have, and it's hard to believe he could even no matter how good the stuff is, he's young. How many innings are you going to get out of him? Right? He's 20, 20. Right. So why are we worried here? I I am actually okay to shut him down uh, for the season and just focus on, you know, we, we have a big free agent starter of our own coming up this year with Aaron Nola, who could very well walk. We have uh, some questions with our fifth starter now, like we're going to need Andrew Painter in the future. I would much rather save him at 20. You right. know, I, I hate to take it too far off topic and I'll be quick, but you know, Metve Michkov, the flyers first round pick this year at number seven, people are concerned that he's a three-year contract with rush in Russia, the KHL. Mm-hmm. And Oh man, he's not going to come here till 2026. He'll be 21. It's not like he's going to be Ryan Howard and be a 27 year old rookie. And Oh, by the way, he worked out pretty well. Uh, I, I, you know, with Andrew Painter, you take your time. You don't rush it to get a short-term jolt. I'm looking for long-term success from Andrew Painter, who is still a can't miss prospect. If I wouldn't be shocked if they shut him down. And if they do two thumbs up for me, um, let's, let's get him healthy for 24. I would support it. I agree. I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, Let's flip this and talk about the the offense a little bit. I have never been anti Kyle Schwarber leadoff hitter. Never been. I've always understood it. I've always thought there was merits. I've always understood that there was a downside to some of it as well. Um, but even I have some kind of like parameters and limits to what I think is acceptable. Uh, when your on base percentage is only three twenty and your batting average is one seventy, I start to wonder what's the point here unless the team really thinks the only way that he can actually get the ball out of the yard is by seeing those fastballs early. And he has let off a couple of games with a home run seven, and that if he moved them to, to six or seven, right. Then he, he hits none. Then maybe I understand it. But at this point, I gotta say, I, it's, and look, it, I, I'm, I think it's a good, a good objective analyst can say, even when things are going really well, there might be cracks in the surface or might be things that aren't great. I'm not t- saying like, I think the Phillies need to make a change. What I am saying is if the Phillies did make this change, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. I love Bryson Stott as a leadoff hitter. I love the way he fouls off everything. I love the, his two strike hitting, as you mentioned right now, I'm just not loving Kyle Schwarber as a leadoff hitter, because honestly, even the few times he does go yard in the leadoff. I mean, do we know they're going to, that, that that's the reason they won the game, you know, I, I don't know. 
<laughs> it's crazy because I have like 15 counterpoints, but I also agree. Like I could say all of these counterpoints and still in my heart, I'm like, yeah, I actually agree with the thought. I would love to see Schwarber out of the leadoff hole. I had tweeted last season. If Schwarber was our cleanup hitter, he'd have 400 RBI. I'm convinced of it. And uh, you know, it's funny because it, when Bryson Stott, I, I, here's where I think the line is drawn. When Bryson Stott was going really good, um, he was going really good, but he he still wasn't walking. He mm-hmm. doesn't walk. He yeah. still doesn't walk. When he gets on base, it's because he swings the bat. And yep. when you have a guy without that elite eye who can take, you know, who can he battles everything, right? But he doesn't he doesn't have a great eye. He doesn't take many walks. So I don't think they want that at the top of the lineup. Trey Turner kind of similar as well. So that's what Schwarber brings you. He has the opportunity to put you up one nothing at the first pitch of the game. He's done that a few times. He's mm-hmm. got an elite eye. Uh, yeah, he strikes out a ton, but he does walk. Um, and so I think they like that dynamic. And Bryson Stott is hitting 304 or whatever it was out of that 5-6-7 hole. They right. want that on-base percentage lower in the lineup um, as opposed to putting a guy with a 320 on-base or a 180 batting average hitting sixth. Where you're, that's kind of a rally killer. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the dynamic of Stott 6-7 with Schwarber up top, while we might not agree, who else is going to do it? We all thought it was going to be Trey. Trey mm-hmm. has not done that. Now, maybe if he continues to go off here in the second half and he really finds himself, well, maybe there's an opportunity. But Schwarber in the leadoff hole, as much as I don't love it, I think the overarching stat is they just win when he's there. They do. And I that's know. undeniable. I know. They I know. It is true. There. Although they were also, you know, you can also say when things aren't well, like in April and May and even last year, it's when he was also in the leadoff spot. Sure, but Scott was right. there too. So, but yeah, but Scott was there too. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where, man, I would have loved two years ago, mm-hmm. Bryson Stott leadoff, Alec Bohm second, Bryce Harper third. Like right. that was the ideal top mm-hmm. of the lineup. Now two thirds of that hit sixth and seventh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's crazy how much this lineup has shifted and changed. But that's what happens in this new era of baseball. And when you sign a guy like Schwarber and our guy Nick Castellanos. Love him. Never doubted him. Uh, I, I tweeted in like February, Castellanos bounce back starts today. And you liked it or retweeted it. I forget. We've yes. believed and it's it's been proven right. But because um, we've seen the the transitional year and Trey Turner right. sort of going through it right now. We, we've just yeah. not just this team, but Yankees, Mets, Reds. It just happens. It happens. Especially it happens. for big market. You go to a big market. I think that's what the big line is. He, he was very uncomfortable in Philly. He's sure. getting more comfortable, and that is clearly translated to the field. But back to the leadoff discussion, I just don't know who else fits. And if we're going to win ball games with Schwarber up there, okay. It's like one of those things where – and guess what? He got the big hit tonight. So, yes, he did. Um, he did. Uh, and so did Trey, which is great. So uh, right now it's like if that's going to be our problem, it's a pretty good problem to have. It is. It is. And, I, and, and I've had this same sort of internal argument with myself as to, well, if you don't lead him off – where do you put him? And I think that my answer has been, you're going to be frustrated with this guy. Anybody who's batting 189 with a 321 OBP, no matter where yeah. you put the guy in the lineup. So yeah. I, I, you know what bothers me? And maybe it's just a little bit of an old school. He, does he have an elite eye? Yes. I think he takes too many good pitches. I, I and which some that'll make you walk. But again, you know, are you walking a lot with your 321 on base percentage or is it because you're getting six at-bats a game and you walk once in those six at-bats? It's it's like back and forth. But he takes 
so many good pitches that puts himself in a lot. He strikes out a lot too. And I feel like, man, if he just, just swung, I, I, I feel like he's caught between, I have to take pitches because I'm a leadoff hitter now. Right. That's what I'm supposed to do. But I don't know. Like when you're a slugger and you see a couple of fastballs or a hanger right down the middle that that's gotta be your time, man. You know? And yeah. I look at, look at what between. Schwarber does. Watch him when he takes a good pitch, what he does the next pitch. Nine times out of 10, he swings at it, even if it's junk. Mm-hmm. And that's because he knows. Yep. He knows he should have. And so he's ready to to swing at the next one. And then it's it's a little high and out of the zone. He swings right under it. You can see him like looking up at the sky a lot of times when he does it. Just keep an eye on those mechanics and that body language. And, and he knows. But at the same time, first pitch of the ball game, if that if that starter is going to start with a fastball, it's going to be anywhere near the middle of the zone. He's going to try and put him up one nothing. And you want to call me Matt Stairs. Like that's that approach. He yeah. is the Matt Stairs, but the everyday version of Matt Stairs. Fast forward four years, he's going to be a pinch hitter like yeah. Matt Stairs was. That's he's going yeah. to be that. Hopefully, yep. uh, you know, still making impactful at ABs. But um, you know, my big concern is his defense, and and like oh, well, that's where at the trade deadline, I'm looking for a left fielder. I'm looking for that replacement, a right-handed hitting to kind of balance the lineup out. I'm looking at Adam Duvall, Randall Grichik, some guys that won't cost you a ton that can play better or average or better than slightly above average defense, get him out of there as a full-time DH, but that's all contingent on Bryce not butchering first. He has to be a usable first baseman, which I, I just don't know, which then in effect kills the Derek Hall uh, experiment. First, so like I'm you're sacrificing man. Hall for Randall Grichik. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would be very selective on who that guy is. Right. I agree. Right. Adam Duvall is probably, or like, if you want to swing big, like a Teoscar Hernandez, if Seattle finds themselves out of it, like uh-huh. those are the guys that I'm like, okay, I'm good with it. A uh-huh. Grichik, probably not enough of an upgrade um, for me, you know, offensively. So it's but we got a month now. I mean, like if, if yeah. Derek Hall's tearing the cover off the ball and playing a decent first base, well, then we've got maybe a, you know, you live with certain things that, that you've got out of Florida, but it but is that defense is brutal. brutal. It's gotten it's, worse. It's uh, gotten much worse. He's brutal. better, Schwarber worse. It's yeah. yeah. And I laugh when people say, well, maybe they should just play Schwarber at first. I'm like, the guy can't play left field. Do you think he can play first? <laughs> Have you seen him at first? That clip with Boston where he made like three errors and then he finally caught one and he does a dance at first base. Like that's what we would be getting. It's yeah. it's not pretty when Schwarber puts a glove on. Just it's that simple. You know, the only gloves I want him wearing are batting gloves. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um <laughs> There was something I wanted to bring up on um, on this offense, too, that I thought was, uh, you know, JTR. How, and just how I really thought, remember back when they played in Oakland and he was tearing the cover off the ball for a week? Yeah. I thought that that was going to be the start of, like, last year, how he had a terrible first half and then sort of just started hitting the ball to right field, right field, home runs to obviously, and it, and it turned him around. Maybe that'll come in the second half here. But, you know, he's another guy who's sort of feast or famine at times. And, and you're waiting – and it's just not it's just not been there yet. I thought the cycle was going to be the thing that yes. broke him out. And he was hot there for 10 days or so. And then he cooled off. He had a very good series against the Rays. So mm-hmm. at least the two games that he played, he's going to play all three games here against the Marlins. I believe Topper already said that. That's why Stubbsy played tonight. Uh, they want him in there all three. And then guess what? He gets almost a week off. So, yeah, we'll expect to see him in the next three here. But yeah, I, I agree. He um, He's probably no longer the best catcher in baseball. Uh, I hate to say it, but 
Um, I mean, Sean Murphy has been phenomenal for the Braves. Adley Rushman for the Orioles is top tier. I mean, he's still up there. He's still a dominant catcher in the game, and I'd still rather have him than almost anybody else. But he is so streaky. Now, I'll give him this. He was terrible last season up until he couldn't go to Toronto for the COVID thing. And then he just came back with a vengeance. And that's right around, it was, I believe, mid-June. Um, so kind of around this time, I wouldn't be shocked if this time off doesn't well. He still caught the most innings in the majors by like 35. Like, give him that week off. I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back with a vengeance. And we have a pretty favorable schedule at the end of July and into August. So don't be shocked if if JT Oriomuto starts to kind of uh, get back into form here over the next month and a half. Sure. Oh, that's this is what I want to bring. You mentioned Adam Duvall. And, <laughs> man, the first two weeks of the season, that guy – couldn't get out. I mean, yeah. he tore the cover off the ball. Then he gets hit, right? Broken hand. He's out for over a month, almost two yeah. months. Then he comes. Now he can't hit. He's ice cold. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy just got Mickey Moniac. <laughs> that guy tore the cover off the ball in spring yeah. last game. We all remember he gets hit. Yeah. Then, then like screwed his entire year. Yeah, but Moniac's then, killing it. Yeah. Moniac's killing it for the Angels right now. It's great to see. They'll still lose. Uh, you know, they'll hit nine homers and lose 10, nine, but yeah, uh, it's still the angels way, but I, it's great to see uh, Mickey having success, but with Adam Duvall, it's like, you know, I think it takes a while with a wrist and hand injury to get your power back. It's another thing where the all-star break will do him. Well, he's still playing slightly above average defense. Um, so he's definitely my top target in terms of what it would cost to get him. T Oscar Hernandez, if Seattle does fall off is my number one option, knowing he will cost a ton, even as a rental, uh, but Duval, listen, he's a rental. He's an older player. He's a seasoned veteran. He wants to win. He had, he's not too far removed from 34 and 112, 120. Mm-hmm. He's got a, he's got a huge bat in there somewhere. So I think uh, he's, he's worth the risk, even though, yeah, he is ice cold, but guess what? That means his value's low. Yes. That means, that means we might be able to get him for a little bit lesser of a package. And so feel there. I'm willing know. to take that chance for sure. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, so listen, we've talked about the lineup, talked about the pitching, the bullpen. Three here against the Marlins heading into the break. Big picture. Uh, of course, if they lost two out of three to the Marlins, I'd be disappointed. But I went into the, from our last podcast with Frank, this nine games. I said, please, you know, I've said six and three would be amazing. I'd be happy with five and four knowing the Rays were on the docket. They went seven and two. So I'm, I'm elated. I'm not going to, you know, obviously you get swept by the Marlins. I, I think that sucks if that were to happen, but I'm, I'm really appreciated. The Phillies are not a tough watch at this point. Um, they were a tough watch, even when they were winning at times in May and June. How are you feeling about them big picture right now? When I, you know, it's crazy not to feel great after sweeping the best team in baseball or probably the second best. The Braves are probably the best team, but it feels great. To, to be able to see that and to come from behind big rally wins the first and, and or the uh, second and third game. So two nights in a row, they've delivered some fireworks for us. We miss Yuri Perez. We've beaten Alcantara a ton. Um, you know, I, how can you not feel great? And then when you come out of the break, you get four at home against San Diego, uh, a chance to pretty much bury them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been better of late, but you get to get a chance to bury them. I love that. And this, like I had mentioned earlier, the second half schedule, uh, when you look at it, you get San Diego and Milwaukee right out of the shoot. So a chance to distance yourself from the other teams behind you in the wild card. We still get San Fran who comes in here later in the year. So a chance to, to put some, some, 
uh, distance between us and them. And by the way, a chance here to catch the Marlins who lost tonight. So we've gained a game mm-hmm. um, and even losing two out of three to the Nats, they got swept. So we even gained a half game because they played uh, on Monday when we didn't, we still gained a half game, even losing two out of three. So this week we've gained ground on the Marlins and now we get them for three. This could be a completely different story three days from now. How could I not feel really good? I think this is a playoff team. Um, I personally don't care where they finish and how they get to the playoffs. Just get me there. We saw that last year. I'm a huge proponent of just get in. That's it's always been my philosophy. I don't care so much about the division. Um, I just want a, a shot at the dance. So I feel really good. It's almost like, yeah, they swept the Rays. And now there's an all-star break. <laughs> it's like they're <laughs> super hot. And oh, by the way, now they have to take a week off and that'll be sad. But I feel really good. I'm really happy with where the team is. Uh, I think the break will do them all well, a chance to recharge their batteries, get the pitching in order uh, in terms of slotted in the rotation where they want. Um, Nobody's going to be pitching for them in the all-star game, so the arms get a break here. I'm very, very excited, especially, like I said, those first seven games coming out, San Diego and Milwaukee all at home. Mm -hmm. We could be three weeks from now talking about a team that has distanced themselves from the teams under them and a very fruitful trade deadline approaching. So couldn't ask for more right now. That is awesome. I agree with you. I think baseball is a funny sport in that um, a couple, like a couple weeks ago that when they were nine and one, they had gained no games on the Braves and only one on the Marlins. And now they close ground by even losing two out of three. That's, just how strange baseball is, but uh, I love it. That's yeah. why I love it. It's going to be a wild ride in the second half. Yeah, Greg, it's been awesome having you on. What po- what's your your podcast? So tell everybody about your podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so our podcast is uh, We Podcast and We Know Things. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, you'll get the reference. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about all the nerdy stuff. So not sports, but we're talking movies. We're talking TV, video games, music. Uh, we've been doing it for seven years this month. Uh, so it's been a long time over 400 episodes. We just recently went monthly as opposed to weekly time to pull the brakes back a little bit. My kids are getting older. I'm getting tired a lot earlier at night. So we do it monthly now, but we release once a month, uh, usually about two hour episodes. And we're talking, like I said, all the movies we've watched the latest TV shows. I watch about 30 new TV shows a year. Um, I, I play probably 10 to 12 new games a year. So we constantly have things to talk about. So if you're a nerd, if you love, uh, pop culture, movies, music, TV, head over to we podcast and we know things wherever you get your audible goodness, and you'll be able to hear us once a month. And of course you can always find Greg on Twitter at Greg talks a lot. If you couldn't tell by this I episode like you on this podcast, <laughs> yeah, Greg talks a lot. that handle uh, reigns true. If you, if you've listened to the last half hour. Awesome. Listen, I'm jealous. I, I used to uh, uh, watch TV and I just don't feel like I, I, I'd love to, I just can't do it anymore. So this has been like, an amazing, stay awake. <laughs> it's been an amazing year for new TV. My wife and I were TV heads, uh-huh. amazing year for original TV shows. So what's the best original TV show of the year? So far. Well, the best original TV show going right now is called For All Mankind. It's on Apple TV Plus. It's an alternate history if Russia would have won the space race to the moon as opposed oh. to the Americans. And they're just about to start season four here coming up sometime this year. Um, but that is my absolute hands down favorite show. It is gripping. The visuals are incredible. I'm a space nerd. I have a giant astronaut down my right leg. Uh, it's something I've always been fascinated with. And so um, and to get that alternate retelling 
Clinton loses in 93. John Lennon's still alive. He becomes a, a, a peace activist. It's super neat. Uh, so that's on Apple TV plus season four coming soon. So now you have your chance to go binge the first three before you get season four. That's my number one recommendation. Last thing I binged earlier was earlier this year in the winter um, before the, before we started doing softball every night with the kids uh, was stranger things, which my daughter got me into. I'd never watched it. We kind of binged all the four seasons and uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think old school, like eighties horror Freddy Krueger guy. For sure. Not until season, I think four of it to you sort of start to really see the, the impact, the influence and the parallels. And I appreciated how they married it. And yeah. then bringing Robert England in to play the, the guy, you know, from yeah. that, that. the Creel house. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. And that show to me started off high, went a little bit down for season two, redeemed itself right. in three. I'm actually a, a hater on season four, but it is still a marvelous television show. I have faith the Duffer brothers are going to be able to bring that home for season five. Yeah. They're going to bring it down a little bit, keep it in Hawkins, kind of make the story smaller. Cause I think it just got too big with Russia and California and all we really cared about was Hawkins. That's so funny. I did say that to my wife. I said, man, season four is really it's sort of taken a concept and sort of went yeah. crazy with it. A little too much for me. I think it went in too many directions. And a lot of those directions just kind of had dead ends. Yeah. But I think to have them rein it back here for five, I do have faith in the Duffers. So yeah, very, very excited about Stranger Things. It'll be the final season, Stranger mm-hmm. Things 5. So definitely excited for that in 2024. And I know you will be talking about it on the We Podcast and We Know Things Podcast. And everybody should go subscribe to that immediately on any platform that you listen to. This has been the Powder Boo Podcast. We thank you, Greg Hall, for joining us. Frank Close will be back next time. So for Greg Hall, I'm Jeff Mosher. Catch you on the next one.